Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is a prevented staff member. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but she's one of my personal favorites. Stacy Zellin is here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm so glad I'm one of your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> so backstory on you in particular, Stacy. So uh, you are, what is your official title? So I am the community education coordinator. The reason we have to check in once in a while is because it's changed. About a lot, <laughs> a few times in my time at PreventEd. But yes, I am currently community education coordinator and uh, responsible for a lot of the community trainings that we provide, as well as professional development opportunities. And before you're in, you were in your current role. I mean, as you stated, you've done a lot of different things within the organization. But you came to us specifically in like a communications role, and you essentially saw the Super Bowl commercial that we did and said, I want to work with y'all. And you killed it at your interview. And you came in the first day just on all cylinders. And you've been on all cylinders since you've been with us, which has been what, like seven years? Six years. Six years. A little bit more than six years. Yeah, definitely came in hot on that first day. Uh, but what you described is is accurate. I saw the Super Bowl ads and was really just blown away at the bold messaging. I think that was the word I used at the time. And yes, at that time where I was in my career and what I had studied uh, earning my master's in public health, I had a particular interest in health communication. So in the past six years, yes, a lot of the work I've done has touched on certain communication activities, but Really, the core of it has remained in health communication, and I think it's funny because that's still where I'm at. Uh, I think the reason I like my job so much and the work that I do is because every audience is different, and you always make these little micro adjustments, and you have these ways of tailoring to your audience, and I think that's what keeps all of these presentations that I do, uh, I think that's what keeps it new and fresh to me. Yeah, because within one week, you could be working with high schoolers, working with law enforcement, working with met- members of academia, working with practitioners, and then working with you know family members who have been impacted by substance use, right? So you could right. do all of those in one week, which mm-hmm. you do have to stay on your toes. Yeah, you have to read the room, uh, kind of understand or get a sense of how the information is falling and realize that maybe some information is we're delivering it too fast uh, and we need to sort of take a few steps back and maybe revisit some of the basics or the essentials of what we talk about when it comes to substance use. Uh, or just focus on what's the most important information. If it's a group that really just wants to know how to administer Narcan, then that's what we're going to tell them to do. Uh, so it, it is really fun and engaging and challenging. And like I said, I think that's why I like my job so much. Well, you mentioned that you came in hot. <laughs> and one of the things that I love most about you is when you get worked <laughs> up. And it's like indescribable because you're like a more animated version of Kramer. 
from Seinfeld mm -hmm. when he would bust through Jerry's door either because something bad was going on or something awesome was going on. And I truly, Stacy, I missed a lot of things about working in the office during the pandemic, but I think your Kramer-like intrusions were maybe the thing I missed most. Oh. Yeah. Well, and one actually did happen, I think, quite recently in the mm -hmm. office. Somebody said hi to me, and it startled me, which <laughs> shouldn't have happened because I'm in a room full of people. And Nicole was like, well, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is Kramer. <laughs> but you get worked up. Like, you get excited. Yeah. I, you, but, get, you are mm -hmm. animated. And yeah, I was because I don't worked up. I don't want that to necessarily translate into like an angry right. or like irate. But yes, I, I do you get can. very. You, I have seen you like that. OK, so, yes, that does happen from time <laughs> to time. But let's let's characterize it for now of as course. as uh, as being excited to talk about something or to think that just something is really, really interesting. Really I think it's interesting. In, yes, yes. Yes. And you get animated about it and it makes other people get interested even if it is not interesting to them. <laughs> Disproportionate enthusiasm. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was the recipient of a, I will not say disproportionately enthusiastic, <laughs> but a enthusiastic email from you a couple of weeks ago. I could tell you'd been working on this email for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah. had been stewing. Yeah, yeah. So, and so the Kramering <laughs> is actually still happening. I've just figured out how to do it virtually. Uh, so. so I get this email from you that I could tell had been percolating and sitting. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I knew that because you were so animated and passionate and interested that I couldn't just read the email and respond. We had to have you on the podcast to talk mm -hmm. about it because – you make things interesting, and it's a topic that is pretty damn fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's the topic of this idea of, of a can of mom. Mm -hmm. So we have had a guest previously talk a little bit about kind of like mommy wine culture, mm -hmm. about this idea that you can be a mom and not be driven to drink by your children is sort of absent from social media, right? Because you've got, you know, mommy juice cups that are really for wine and you have I'm the reason mommy drinks onesies. We've talked a little bit about that. And what you're seeing and, and the email you sent to me, the passionate email was some of the parallels you're seeing between that and the cannabis culture. And mm -hmm. and. We are specifically saying cannabis, right? We are not specifically calling it marijuana because it involves the whole industry around cannabis, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and a few staff, in, including me at the agency, who are particularly interested in matters relating to cannabis, uh, one person in particular actually did some research into the term marijuana and found that it did have some roots in racism and that it is a term that's also, I, I guess the word is, it's been a little bit weaponized mm -hmm. uh, to frame people who use that substance as bad people who make bad choices. All those stereotypical ideas we have about people who use substances that we're trying to move away from. So when we're using that term cannabis, that's what we hear more often in the medical community, in the scientific community. It's what we're more likely to see in research. So because we always want to follow the evidence and data, cannabis is the term that makes the most sense for us to use. 
So what is this term Canamom? Like, what is it? I mean, I now, since you fired off that email, Hmm. I have been seeing more and more on my social feeds about this. What what is the the concept? And then let's dig into some of the potential implications. Sure. So what what started all this was somebody had another staff member had stumbled across an article about canamoms and describing canamom culture. So I think we can get into that in a minute. But the reason I took notice and added some of my own commentary to some other staff members that day in this in this particular email is because I had seen something similar, I want to say about two years ago. And uh, it was a, a blog on a pretty per, on a pretty popular uh, blogging site. Uh, if you go to their Instagram, they have almost two and a half million followers. And there's a lot of content that they produce that I think is really funny and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I, I saw this blog and it wasn't, they. I don't think the term Canamoms was in there, but it was describing... Uh, parents, in particular, a mother's use of cannabis and some of the experiences that that person had. And I just took note of a few things, noting that it was interesting, you know, the the way we always approach substance use issues. Not good, not bad, just this is an interesting perspective. It's not and, good or bad, it, it is. It is, right. Yep. And uh, I think, too, you know, we always want to pause before reacting to something like this because is you know do we know if this is a trend do we know if there is a public health concern associated with that there that there is even anything that we would want to say or add to this yeah we don't want to be reactionary or alarmist or making a way bigger deal out of something than it is exactly yeah. so let's read let's learn let's understand uh but again Having seen that two years ago and then seeing a reminder of all that, that's what prompted me to say, should we maybe start to say something? And and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this right now on, on the podcast, but if any... You can always edit it and post. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if anybody is ever wondering like what these conversations among staff sound like when we're trying to figure it out at PreventEd and figure out if we're even the people that should be saying something, and then what are we going yep. to say? This is what those conversations sound like. I mean, we really do take the time to try to understand um, an issue or, like I said, a trend, if it, is, if it e- even is a trend. Um, yeah, so. because sometimes it's our role. Sometimes it's clearly not our role. Right. Sometimes it's like, if not us, then who? Right. Other times it's, well, we know that, like, for example, when we were really um, proactive in terms of some some vaping things, like we had pro-vapers coming at mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. we were prepared because we, we knew that that was going to happen. But we also don't want to be accusatory or judgmental and make it seem like if we're coming out against this idea of a canamom, we're also not putting judgment or stigma or blame on people who are using substances to cope, to get through the day, who have an underlying mental health disorder. Like that is not our MO. And that's never, we, I think we always try really hard to not be that person or that agency that's saying, well, you're a bad person. You're a bad mom. You're a whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just not us. That 
doesn't feel good to yeah, us. Yeah, and making sure that we don't use language in any kind of response that might perpetuate that among yeah. our followers and listeners since they are looking to us for some sort of stance or position on these things. And you're right. We would not talk about moms who use cannabis in any way differently than we would a mom who who uses alcohol or another substance. Uh, that's, that's, I think, another thing that's interesting when we talk about cannabis is sometimes it feels like people talk about it in its own special category, but the way we'll talk about it and frame it is just like any other substance that, you know, follow that definition. It changes the way you think, act, and feel. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think for you it's particularly important um, because you are a mom. Yes. And I think that there's a, well, I know that because I'm sort of a stepmom. I mean, whatever. There's a lot of mom shaming. And there's yes. a lot of, well, you're not doing this the way that you should. There's a lot of shoulding, right? And I think we're all just figuring it out as we go along because there is no parenting handbook. There is no guidebook. And so you as a mom, you don't want to be shaming another parent, mom or dad, for using a substance because that's like the last thing you would want to do is mom shame. Exactly. Yeah. So so let's get back to to moms. And I mean, I'm you know, I, I don't want to be like stealing words, but I'm just reflecting what some of these articles, blogs are saying and I think a lot of these moms who identify as cannabis moms would say that this is a movement and that a part of this movement is to reduce the stigma when it comes to moms who use cannabis. And I think the, the reason I mentioned this first is because I think this is a great starting place where we can actually find some common ground. Uh, if we haven't already made it abundantly clear no one, no parent, no mom should be judged or stigmatized because they use substances. Mm-hmm. That does not make anyone a bad parent. And so, you know, I think as uh, people put content out there who identify as moms who use cannabis or can moms, whatever that might be, I do think they are getting some some response from the internet mom that is that is making those claims. So, I, I thought that would be a good starting point that let, let's get on that same page, that we don't agree with that either. There are there are parents who consume alcohol, like we already used that example, uh, and we, we would not stigmatize or, or judge that behavior in any way. It, it, we wouldn't do that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, in reading one of these articles, the, the perspective of one of the moms, this was one of these things that it makes you go, hmm, but she great CNC Music Factory song, by the way. What things that make you go? Hmm. <laughs> Continue. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not as cool as Nicole. Seventh that is grade talent evident. show. Go ahead, Stacy. <laughs> things that make you go. Hmm. Uh, go. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Let me just Moving recover on. from that. Um, <laughs> so. This this mom, I thought, made an interesting point, which is that if you, let's say, had a play date with another parent and, you know, whatever time of day it is, and that parent said, hey, would you like a glass of wine or would you like a beer? We might not really think twice about that. Like, you might say, oh, no, thank you. but Right. Or, or you would accept. But we probably wouldn't really think on that a lot. But if a parent said, you know, would you like to use cannabis and whatever words that might be, 
then that we might think of that differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm not Pause, saying we probably. like us in this room, but general society speaking. So I do understand that uh, there can be a sense of stigma. I, I think that's that's probably real. But again, I think if we're going to have more conversations, it's always good to have that that starting ground and that common understanding. So what I think the, the stance that Prevent Ed has taken over the years, particularly around cannabis, is what is its impact on young people? Mm-hmm. Like what is its impact on the young person itself that might be using, um, particularly before their prefrontal cortex has fully developed, but also what sort of normative behavior or modeling is that showing? And it's not just about cannabis. It's also about alcohol, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it's not uncommon at parent meetings for us to say at at a parent meeting, think about your own relationship with alcohol. So every time your mother-in-law comes over or every time you have a family event or every time you get in a fight with your partner, are you reaching for a glass of wine? Are you reaching for a, you know, glass of scotch or are you grabbing a Xanax? Like fill in the blank there. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we just talk about these things in terms of, of cannabis, but I think what your sharply worded email was saying is that there's a new movement mm-hmm. and that we need to make sure that we're including the use of cannabis by parents and its potential implications. We need to consider that in the same way that we would nicotine, mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, um, sleeping aids, fill in the blank. Yeah, I mean, we we would talk about this because what we're if we were to raise a concern, it would be about using a substance to cope mm-hmm. with what's going on in someone's life or Vers- to celebrate and thinking that's the only way that you celebrate. Yes, all, all of those things. So this is so I mentioned earlier that I feel like when I talk to a lot of people about cannabis, it always seems to fall into this separate category that it's separate from all those mm-hmm. other substances. And in reading a lot of this content that's coming from Cannamoms, you hear some some phrases like uh, somebody used the phrase, it helps me during transitional periods. Like when you come home from work and you mm. have to be cooking dinner, but then get the kids in the bath. So it kind of helps smooth that over a little wow. bit. Okay. Or that, it, you know, just generally you hear like it, it's the only thing that helps me wind down. Mm-hmm. A lot of comments like that. And I think because on a societal level, when we, it, cannabis seems, when you compare it to alcohol, heroin, all these other drugs, it seems relatively benign, but that doesn't mean it's completely benign. But um, because of that, you would wonder in taking those taking those exact same statements, if we were to replace mm-hmm. cannabis, whatever, however somebody's referring to it, with alcohol and say the same thing, would that raise concerns among others like about alcohol use? it's the only thing that use. kind of helps me transition to bedtime or I need a glass of wine to wind down from work. While somebody might say, oh, me too, mm-hmm. it also does sort of raise a different red flag. Like Exactly. Red flag, for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, but it seems like, you know, cannabis is just really like off limits mm-hmm. when we're when we're thinking about these things. And in some of the content, we hear this all the time that there's – no risk of becoming physically dependent, which I, I don't know where that comes from or how people separate that you can become like emotionally dependent on, dependent on it, but not physically. And, you know, the body is is a, a single <laughs> being and 
we know that cannabis use, like other substances, affects the brain. It changes how the brain works. So, I mean, I'm not really sure how we make that differentiation. So that's one place where, you know, we're not making any claims right now, but we can at least start to ask the questions of do we have a concern here? And as you started off this conversation, does that concern also extend, you know, when we're talking about parents using cannabis as a coping mechanism, could that extend into the behavior that we're modeling for young people? So I think all of that can be in the conversation of, is this something that we need to be paying attention to. And the the other thing that I'll mention is because I, I said cannabis is really treated as this, you know, pretty benign substance, you know, we know that a lot of people use alcohol. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we know that a lot of people use cannabis. A certain portion of people who use alcohol will go on to experience a challenge with that substance, mm-hmm. and it is exactly the same. People who use cannabis, there is a certain portion of that that group that will go on to develop a challenge with cannabis. And in all of the content that I've been reading, you know, first of all, these are these are not medical providers, <laughs> um, right? And you know, if we if we get into talking about like the the medical application of cannabis, then then we're really getting on it on a different right. track here. And that's a whole different episode. Right. That's a right. whole different episode. Um but so again, this is this is why we're starting to ask these questions and we're concerned about this perhaps paralleling mommy wine culture is are we now moving into a place where cannabis is being promoted mm-hmm. among moms? And I'll I'll sort of speak for Nicole here too. Another constant with our organization is w- with something like cannabis, it's not so much the use of cannabis that uh, would raise alarms or or be a cause for concern. It's when we see the promotion of it's it, the marketing of yes, it, it's the, the commercialization of it, the industry. It's right, yes. And just like some moms, I think who really had a poor experience, uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe mommy wine culture wasn't the the sole contributor to them having a poor experience with alcohol. Um, but a lot of them, I think, will say that it certainly doesn't help, it that doesn't it's so help, right. that it's such a part of that that culture, I guess. Um, and same thing for cannabis. Like, is that something that we want to keep an eye out for down the road to make sure that the supports that we're offering moms, parents, caregivers, that it's you know, it, it's uh, that we're we're being mindful that there could be an issue with cannabis, maybe maybe down the road. And I think, you know, before we end, I do think it's pretty imperative to recognize the fact that, like, you and I are two white ladies. Yes. We're sitting here talking very academically mm-hmm. about cannabis in a very nice podcast studio. Um, there are racial implications when we talk about cannabis. I know that this mommy wine culture and Cannamom is is that's a very white uh term it's 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 not cannabis is not exclusively used by white people obviously right but the way that society talks about cannabis use in communities of color versus white culture is very different the way that those are enforced is very different the way that those are portrayed in media is very different and so that was actually 
one of the things that you wanted to make pretty crystal clear before we even started rolling was that we know we recognize that there are racial implications. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why we're not being judgmental at this point. We're, we're being inquisitory, Inquisit- right. inquisitive. Did I just make up a we're word? We're asking questions. We're asking questions. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to know how cannabis and the industry and this idea of a canna mom is impacting not only people like ourselves, mm-hmm. but other communities, um, other, you know, potentially cultural communities, communities of color. Um, what -hmm. is this looking like in places outside of the United States? Because there's lots of different cultural implications Mm -hmm. there. And I just really appreciate you getting so fired up. Um, you did, you came in hot with that email and I literally, (laughs) I blasted one right off and I was like, you gotta be on the podcast. So this is what happens when you email your executive director, folks. But it's all good. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons why I, I just really appreciate. And I, if you're listening, you're like, wow, um, Stacy's really great. <laughs> like, she's a very good asset. And yes, she is. You cannot have her. So <laughs> oh, thank, you. thank you very much, Stacy, for joining The Preventable today. If you like what you heard, please consider rating, reviewing and subscribing. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.